The friends and partners of Kevin Inman Ministries present Contenders Radio with Pastor Kevin Inman. Pastor Kevin is committed to equipping you to earnestly contend for the faith. For more information on Pastor Kevin and Contenders Radio, please visit our website at www.kevininman.org. That's www.kevininman.org. Hello and welcome to another edition of Contenders Radio. I'm your host, Kevin Inman, and it is good to be back. It's been a while since we have recorded anything new for uh, the podcast, but now Contenders Radio has been picked up in an additional 40 radio markets. And so, because of that, we need to continue producing new shows week by week. And so that's the goal, that's the aim, that's the hope, that's the desire, and that is what we seek to do then to bring God's Word to people to help us all to be able to contend earnestly for the faith that was once and for all handed down to the saints, just like we read in the book of Jude there in the New Testament. And so we want to do that. We want to be good Christians. We want to be good disciples. We want to help protect the body of Christ, and therefore we will learn to contend earnestly for the faith. Now, you know that's not all that we do here per se, but I guess um, ultimately it does all come down to that, because even as we just go through um, passages of Scripture here and, and, and talk, if we talk about salvation, if we talk about uh, sanctification, whatever it might be, we are learning the truth. And as we know the truth, obviously, we know the truth, the truth sets us free, but it helps us to then identify that which is false. And so we do both of those things here at Contenders Radio. And so we'll present the truth. We'll also present those things that are non-truths, that are false, that go against, that wage war against the truth. Because we know that uh, there are numerous lies that have infiltrated the church today. And so we want to guard against those things and protect the body of Christ. So as a pastor, that's uh, one of my jobs. It's to teach, obviously, to preach, um, to minister, to disciple, but also to protect the flock from wolves who would come in, even those who would come in from amongst ourselves, as we read from Paul in the book of Acts. And so that's what we seek to do here at Contenders Radio. And we're going to try to do that on a more regular basis here uh, from here on out. So anyway, uh, that's enough of all of those official matters. Let's get into our topic for today. Today we're talking about something that is very true. It's the doctrine of election. Now, it is very true, and all Christians believe in some aspect of this doctrine of election, but there is some confusion about it. So what we hope to do today is to begin to look at this ideal of election and see what the scriptures say about it, and hopefully we can then weed out and eliminate some of the misunderstandings and the misinformation about election. You may have noticed that um, the long and the short of it, it's a uh, video uh, video cast that we do on a weekly basis once again. We also had a, taken a break from it as well. Uh, there's been a lot going on uh, health-wise, church-wise, family-wise, and then with all of this COVID um, stuff that's happening. So so we, we haven't been recording video or this radio podcast uh, uh, for some time, but we are back. Anyway, uh, all that to say, 
is that the last edition of The Long and the Short of It, which you can find on YouTube, um, just uh, look for uh, Kevin Inman, uh, look for The Long and the Short of It. You can find it there. You probably even find it under our church, Grace Point at Eagle Heights. But uh, my friend Brad Wilson and myself uh, coming at you every week trying to talk about things that are happening in the church. And so this last one was about elections. Someone had asked about the doctrine of election. Uh, someone in our church just wanted a little more teaching on it. It is something that we teach upon as we get to it in Scripture. And so when we went through our study of the book of Ephesians, we saw this idea of election, this doctrine being taught and proclaimed there. In fact, let's look at that passage together, if you will, in Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And that is a tremendous verse we began to see. In fact, this begins a sentence, a very long sentence that goes all the way down through verse 14 here. Uh, one long sentence, one long train of thought. But, but we see um, the blessings that come to us from God the Father through Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So there's no second blessing we're waiting on. We've been blessed a second time. Excuse me. We've been blessed a third time, a fourth time. We've been blessed infinitely by the Lord God through Jesus Christ. But in verse 4, he says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. So right there in verse 4, we see where God chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, this word chose is the word we get um, from which we get elect. Now, obviously you think chose, elect, those don't sound anything similar, and they don't in English. But the Greek word behind this word, he chose us, is the word eklogomai, and uh, eklogomai. Eklegomai is the Greek word for electing, for it means chose to or to choose, to pick for oneself, to choose to elect. And and as we look at this and we see it elsewhere in Scripture, we begin to understand that election is an act of God before creation. We see that right there. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So it's an act of God before creation in which he chooses some folks to be saved. Now, it's not on account of any foreseen merit in them, but it's only because of his sovereign good pleasure. And that's an important understanding for this ideal of election. It, it, it also captures this ideal that, that it's, it's the gracious purpose of God according to which he regenerates, he justifies, he sanctifies, and he glorifies sinners. And that's why we can say that when God chooses someone unto election, he chooses us unto sanctification and then ultimately unto our glorification. His choosing, his picking, his choice of us, his electing of us, his saving us, saves us completely. And that's why we believe that the, the, the sinner who is saved is eternally saved, eternally secure because of God's sovereign purposes, because of his choice, his electing. It's not because of any goodness in us. It's his merit that saves us. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. But this ideal here, his choice of us, eklo, uh, eklegomai, 
is this ideal of electing. And so it's a glorious display of God's sovereign goodness. And, and, and it's infinitely um, wise, holy, and unchangeable. I mean, just like God is infinitely wise, changing, and, 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 and holy, we are saved, again, by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ Jesus alone. But it's of this electing process. Now, there are two main ideas when it comes to this idea of election. And Christians generally, I would say, and, and, and really should fall into one of these two um, beliefs here. One is that he chooses us, he saves us based on his foreknowledge. The other is the ideal of God's choosing us based purely on his sovereignty. Now, we believe and teach, as, the, as we understand the Bible to teach, that God chooses us, he elects us based on his sovereign choice, his sovereign decree. That's really the ideal of election. And so we'll talk more about those two um, ways that we understand election, either by foreknowledge or by sovereignty. We'll talk about that uh, maybe today, maybe next time that we're together. But let's begin to talk about what we see in Scripture from election, concerning election. And so one thing here I want you to see is just what we've read, that God chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So election is part of God's eternal decree, and it's from eternity. It, 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 it happens in eternity past. We see that right there in verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 1, but we see it elsewhere in Scripture also. So Ephesians 1.4 would say, just as he chose us in him, he just as he elected us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. I mean, this is, it's rooted in his love for us. But we also see the same idea in 2 Thessalonians, where Paul writes in chapter 2, verse 13, he writes these words, but we should always give thanks to God for you, as he's writing to those Christians there in Thessaloniki, right, the Thessalonian believers, he says, we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved. Loved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. You see, the same idea here that Paul teaches those Christians in Thessaloniki, just like he taught the ones in Ephesus that God chose us before the foundation of the world. Here he words it slightly differently. He chose us from the beginning for salvation. But he goes on to say something very similar in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse 9. 2 Timothy chapter 1, 9 says that it's God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Then it continues on from there. But the ideal is the same thing that we see in 2 Thessalonians 2.13 and Ephesians 1.4, that God chose us to be saved. He chose us in him from eternity, from the foundation of the world. It's an eternal decree from God. So it's, it's, it's from eternity, election is, his choice of us is. But secondly, we see in Scripture that election is God's sovereign prerogative. And that's why I don't believe his election of us is based on foreknowledge. I believe it is based on his sovereignty. It is his sovereign prerogative. Take, for example, Romans chapter 9, beginning at verse 15. Romans chapter 9, beginning at verse 15. I'll give you a moment to turn there. I'll have a drink of Island Brow coffee here. Um, it's the company that belongs to uh, my dear friend and brother in Christ, Brad Wilson, who does the long and the short of it with me. 
And so uh, here I'm actually drinking out of my long and the short of it mug. You can't see that because this is uh, radio, audio podcasting here, but um, this cup full of Island Brow coffee, and it's uh, the pastor's blend. That's what I call it. Uh, he named it um, Marooned. It's the Marooned blend. It's very good. It's very earthy, a little smoky flavoring, um, but it has a, a citrusy aftertaste. And and I'm telling you that uh, not because he pays me. <laughs> he does give me free coffee sometimes, and that's okay. But um, I, I would just encourage you to try it. If you like coffee, you'll be getting great coffee, and you'll be helping out um, my friend, our Christian brother, Brad Wilson, Island Brow Coffee. I think you can find it. Just Google it, Island Brow Coffee. Anyway, back to the story at hand, the matter at hand here, back to election. We saw already election is from eternity past, but election, secondly, is God's sovereign prerogative. So in Romans 9, where I asked you to turn moments ago, Romans 9, 15, we read this. And I'm going to read down through verse 24 here before we're done. The scriptures say, For he says to Moses, God says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then, it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. Do you, do you see what's happening already? God's mercy is not dependent on someone who chooses God or runs away from God. That's not what's in view here. It's purely based on his sovereign prerogatives. He goes on to say, verse 17, For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I raised you up, to demonstrate my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. So then... He has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who resists his will? On the contrary, who are you, O man, um, to, to, to answer back to God? The thing, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this? Will it? Or does not the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. Even us, whom he also called, not from among Jews only, but also from among Gentiles. And so what we see here in Romans 9 is this very idea that election, obviously from eternity past, but also it's of God's sovereign prerogative. It's not God looking through the corridors of time to see who's going to raise their hand and pick him, who's going to walk the aisle, who's going to weep before him and, and, and choose him. And then God says, oh, they're going to choose me? Well, I'll choose them back. That's not how election works. The scriptures do not teach that. Now, obviously, we have to respond to God's call on our lives. And so our part of being saved is to have faith in the grace of God. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. So we put our faith, we put our hope, our trust in Christ. We respond affirmatively to the call of God upon our lives. But we can only do so because of God's choice of us. He grants that we are able to respond to him. And, and I know people struggle with that ideal, but we see it throughout Scripture. And over the course of today and possibly next time uh, on Contenders Radio, we'll talk and flesh that out a little more. But so far, we've seen that election is from eternity, and it's also of God's sovereign prerogative. And, and that's what um, Paul says here in Romans chapter 9, verse 19. Uh, who can, how can God still find fault in us if he does the choosing? 
And then he goes on to say, on the contrary, who are you, O man, to answer back to God? How can we, as the thing molded, speak to our creator? How can we, as the vessel, tell God how he's supposed to use us, that he's supposed to choose us? He can make vessels for glory or vessels for um, common use here. The understanding is for destruction, for damnation. God, God can do what he wants to do. He's the sovereign one. And the very ideal of sovereignty is that there can be only one sovereign. I mean, that's the very ideal of God himself, that there can be only one. It's like Highlander all over again, right? There can be only one. <laughs> and so we have to destroy all others. But but this is not Highlander. God is the sovereign one. He is the only one who can do absolutely anything that he wants to. He's really the only one who has a true will that's free of uh, of any outside constraints, We don't have free will in that way of thinking. Our will is bound to our nature, and it's either bound to our sinful nature, whereby all it can do is sin, or it's been redeemed, and our our will is now bound to redemption through God, redemption by God, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. So we either have our old sinful nature bound to sin, or we've been redeemed and we've been given a new nature. Like Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, behold, he is a new creature, right? A creation, a creature. The old is gone, has passed away, and behold, new things have come. And so, so part of that new, then, is this new nature that we have. We've been given this new nature by God. But we also see the same ideal of election uh, by being God's sovereign prerogative here. We also see it in Romans chapter 11. Paul goes on to say that argument he begins there in chapter 9. He goes on to say in Romans chapter 11, verse 1, I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be, for I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people, whom he foreknew. There's that ideal again. Or do you not know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he pleads with God about Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they are seeking my life. But what is the divine response to him? Where God says, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. You see, he's saying that God chose to hold back, to save, to redeem some, to hold them for that time. And so he goes on to say in the same way then in verse 5, there has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But this idea that God is the one over it. He was over Elijah, he was over those prophets, he's over Israel, but he's also over salvation for those who will come to him by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. We see this ideal in um, Exodus chapter 33, verse 19, uh, where where God tells Moses, um, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of Yahweh before you, and I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. God does that because election is sovereignly within his grasp, within his power, within his prerogative to enact. But we see that in Isaiah 65, 1, where God says, I permitted myself to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I permitted myself to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here am I, here am I to a nation which did not call on my name. And so Isaiah here writing uh, from God, talking about, and here is he's speaking of Israel, but he allowed himself to be sought out by them, by those who didn't seek for him. It, 
what he's saying is that he's over. He's the one permitting, who's enacting, who's enabling this very thing. It's his prerogative. It's in Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 12, the same thing concerning uh, the people of Israel. But then we see in John 15, verse 16, this idea where God says, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. He chose us, saved us, so that we would be fruit bearers. He didn't save us just to give us some hell insurance, right? It's not just our get-out-of-jail or get-out-of-hell-free card. He saved us unto a purpose. Now, obviously, ultimately, it's to glorify God. That's what our life is all about. But here, specifically, he says it's to bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of my Father in my name, he may give it to you. John 17, verse 6. John 17, verse 6 says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me. Now, this is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. I like to call this the real Lord's Prayer, right? Because he's praying to his Father on behalf of his people. He says, I've manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they and they have kept your word. Now, we just had a little uh, interruption there. I apologize. And so he says, you gave these people to me. They were yours, Father, Jesus says, but they have uh, been given to me. You have given them to me. And so we see that there in John 17, 6, this ideal of God's sovereign election. Romans chapter 9, verses 10 through 13. And not only this, but there was Rebecca also, he says, when she had conceived twins by one man, our father, Isaac. And he goes on to say, for the through... Uh, for though, excuse me, the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose, according to his choice, would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls, it was said to her, the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. This is the ideal of God's sovereign election based on his own prerogatives, his own rights to do the choosing. Romans 9.10 makes it very clear that this is what God does. Just as he did it with Israel, just as he did it um, with with Jacob and Esau, just as he picked the younger over the older, as he, he picked Jacob to love and Esau um, not to love in that regards, just as he did that for them, it's the same ideal for us. And I know that sounds harsh to some, but the ideal of election is this, ultimately. Folks, think about this. You don't deserve to be saved. I don't deserve to be saved. But God has mercy upon whom he has mercy. We're all on the bus together, running towards the cliff, about to go over the edge, destined to bust hell wide open. And God reaches down and chooses to save us from our destruction. I mean, and, and our earned, our due destruction. God chooses to do that. Does he have to? Ultimately, no. God can do anything he wants to, but he has set his affection on us. And he did so, as we read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, before the foundation of the world. He does this. He chose us that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He does this in love. He set his love and his affection upon us before we ever were. Created. And so we need to remember that. Ephesians 2.10 says the same thing. He did this, um, saved us by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone, and not of ourselves, not of works, okay? It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. And so, again, uh, Ephesians would tell us that election is from eternity. Other passages here in Romans and in John and in Isaiah and Exodus and Jeremiah would tell us that election is God's sovereign prerogative. It's God's sovereign prerogative. And we see in Scripture that God chooses not just the nation of Israel, but he chooses individuals within this covenant of grace, within um, to be saved, to be called out of the world. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 7, uh, we see that God chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldees and gave him the name Abraham. God did this. He He called him from those um, sinful people to save him. Genesis 15, verses 7 and 8, God says, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave you this land to possess it. And so God does this. Jeremiah, excuse me, Genesis 15, verses 18, goes on to say that, that Yahweh, that the Lord, made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenite and the Kenizzite, and the Kadmonite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Rephaim and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Gergesite and the Jebusite. God's done this. God's given this to his people. He chose Abram, he chose Abram's descendants, and he chose to give them the land. And so there's much more we could say about that. We could get into peace treaties that are happening right now and all those things, but the land belongs to God. God chose uh, because it was his. He gives it then to whom he chooses, and it's, it's Abram. It's the Jewish people. But anyway, that's for another episode. But one more thing here well, I think we have time for to see is that this idea here, election is not based on on the basis of merit. It's not, it's not, let's see, based on the basis. That didn't sound right. Election is not on the basis of merit. That's a better way to say that, right? In English. Sound like you know English language there, Pastor Kevin. Okay, I'll try it again. Election is not on the basis of merit. So we've seen that election is in eternity past. We've seen that election is of God's sovereign prerogative. We've seen that election is on individuals that God places them within the covenant of grace. He he calls them to be part of of that. Galatians chapter 3 verse 29 talks about that very thing. But finally for today, election is not on the basis of merit. Election is not on the basis of merit. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26 and following. 1 Corinthians 1 26 through 31. The word of God says this. For consider your calling, brethren, that you uh, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom for God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord, or boast in Yahweh. Lord, all caps, remember, in your Bible is the divine name, Yahweh. Now, 1 Corinthians 1, 26-31 is showing us that election is not on the basis of merit, but it's purely on the sovereign choice, the will of the Father. It's on the will of God. It's His prerogative. He chooses us not because there's any basis for Him to do so found in us, but the basis 
is within himself. He does it not on the basis of merits of merit, excuse me, but on the basis of his sovereign prerogatives. We saw that in Deuteronomy seven, we saw it in Deuteronomy nine, but also in James chapter two, verse five, we see where James says did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? It's God's choosing. Now, we're out of time for today, but when we come back next time, we'll talk again about election. We'll see how God elects people on the um, that, that, that his election of people is the foundation of his saving action. And so we'll see how it goes hand in hand with our response. God doesn't elect us outside of the plan that he's established for salvation. Election is the basis. It's the foundation for that plan. And so when we proclaim the gospel, that's part of this election process. When people respond to the gospel, that is also part of the election process that God has begun in, um, or before, I should say, the foundation of the world. Now, we are out of time, so thank you so much for tuning in. I pray that you will have a, a great week. I pray that you will dig into God's word, that you will continue to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you will be in his word, that he is elevated uh, as high as his name. In fact, we would see in the Psalms that his word he would hold even over his name. So may we be people of the book as we keep on contending for the faith. So God bless you. Until next time. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast of Contenders Radio with Pastor Kevin Inman. For more information on this or other broadcasts, please log on to our website, contendersradio.com. That's contendersradio.com. You can also find us on the web at kevininman.org. That's kevininman.org. There you will find podcast episodes, blog posts, study helps, and more. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you in your pursuit of the truth.